The plan this week was that we'd speak on one of our specific core values, which is covenant community, a term which will make a little more sense to you in a minute, if not already. Um, but as I was working through that this week, I, I just realized how beneficial it was for me to look back on those, those six core values that we hold up as a church together. And I realized it would be a benefit to, to all of us to have, to have done that as well. Uh, particularly when you realize just how much has changed just in this, this last year. In fact, uh, the last time that we looked at these corporately uh, together, these, these six core values, we were meeting at 4 p.m. in the afternoon. How many of you have been to that 4 p.m. service? So a few of you, yeah. Um, and I, I realize some of you still look back at that and you think that was the glory days. I could sleep till noon, watch the Chiefs, and still be early for church. Um, now you can get that all done beforehand, right? Uh, but just to put our, our core values into some sort of perspective, it's not our doctrinal statement. We have a doctrinal statement. It's the, the Westminster Standards or the Westminster Confession of Faith. Um, it is wonderful. Read it. I encourage you. It will nourish you. Uh, the other thing is it's not our distinctives. We also have a list of kind of distinctives, and they're on our website if you want to learn more about them. That uh, We list them as we are evangelical, evangelistic, Reformed, confessional, covenantal, and Presbyterian. And I know there's a lot of big words there. Uh, so if you want to know more about that, go to our website. You can read about them. Uh, and then feel free to ever ask any of us uh, anything you want about those questions. So <clears throat> for those of you that are uh, new, um, we'll get into this then. Just core values. Core values defined in the dictionary as uh, a judgment of what is important in life. In the case of a church, we are saying... These are things that we believe are important in the life of the church, and we see them uh, according to Scripture. And, and, and since we have so many new people here, let me give you a quick rundown, a, a Twitter-length history uh, of the church. Uh, some of y'all, we have some visitors here. Their church is, what, 200 years old at this point? So we're a little younger than that. Um, but, you know, it's a... Uh, began back, uh, I guess, 2011, 2012, after a whole bunch of fearful prayer and confident sense of calling to this uh, with uh, the Dunnings and the Shanahans. Our, our families moved out here from Kansas City to Manhattan, and that was the August of 2013, just three years ago. Uh, we had our first Bible study in, in September 15th of 2013, and that was in the Durrett's living room. We have been destroying their house a few times a month ever since. Um, and then a, a month after that, we had our first worship service, October 6, 2013, and we gathered in the Mennonite building over on 10th and Fremont uh, in our first worship service at 4 p.m., and it was such a wonderful thing to gather and, and worship the Lord then. Uh, and then in the spring of 2014, we started meeting twice a month. Fall of 2014, we began meeting weekly for worship, and uh, that was just two years ago. And then one year ago, uh, having been in this building for about six months, uh, we moved from 4 p.m. to 9 a.m., and, and, and that was really weird at first. It seemed like it was 5 in the morning for a while, uh, but now we're getting used to that. And so then this fall, just where we're at right now, this fall, God willing, uh, we'll move from mission church status, that's a church plant, to particular church status, which means that we have a local group of elders, uh, uh, and, and Tim Durrett is currently in the process of becoming an elder, so please be in prayer for him, because we have this awesome exam that we're giving him uh, that he's going to have to do coming up, uh, so you can be in prayer for him. And so, uh, all that to say, while we're focusing on our, our core values today, 
Uh, we're going to begin with the scripture, scripture of text, uh, text of scripture that speaks to the idea of covenant community, something that we hold up very, very highly, uh, and it'll make sense to you in a bit. But we're going to be in Hebrews 10. So if you've got a Bible, turn over there, Hebrews 10, and we're going to read just verses 24 and 25. And they're going to be bouncing all over, so keep your Bible out. Hebrews 10, verse 24. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. The grass withers and the flower fades. Let's pray. Lord, we wish to be a church, a covenant community that brings glory to your name, a church who knows how deeply you have loved us in the gospel, and for us to love each other in a way that shows that we are, are truly members in this covenant family. And may we then be salt and light in this tiny place in the universe we call Riley County. Um, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So we'll jump right into it. Our, our first core value, and we put this down first on paper even, uh, is, is that we would be dependent on the ordinary means of grace. Uh, that is a weird sounding phrase. So the term means is, uh, here is defined as a system by which a result is brought about. For instance, just as God has designed that a plant will grow by the means of water and sunlight, so God has also ordained that people grow um, and are transformed through simple God-ordained means. And those three means that God has ordained uh, for people to grow in grace is the Word of God, the sacraments of baptism and the Lord's Supper, and prayer. And so by making a, a commitment to the means of grace, we're saying that we're going to resist that temptation um, to use marketing strategies or, or pop culture kind of hype as a way to, to grow the church. And, and, and all that to say, you know, while we might have a, a costume party on Friday night and be incredibly goofy because we're very goofy people overall, uh, we're not going to be having superhero days or, or raffles with prizes to try to attract people to come and, and worship God on Sunday. What you will find week after week is a, a faithful use of the means of grace, and, um, and that's what we're looking to do. So historically, these, these means are, are called ordinary, right? Ordinary means of grace, not because they're without power, not because uh, they lack anything in that regard, but because this is how God ordinarily works uh, to transform his people. And, and believe me, one of our greatest desires as a as church here at Manhattan Perez is that we would grow and that we would flourish spiritually. And, and so for this reason, we're going to seek to be a, a church that is just saturated with scripture, that is uh, sacrament serving and just prayer soaked. And I, I hope you see that in our liturgy, meaning the order that our worship goes, that you see prayer and, and scripture and the, and, and the word uh, and the sacrament weekly. So our second core value is living in covenant community. And in the book of Hebrews, just a couple chapters before where we read before, uh, in verse 10, God said, I will be their God and they shall be my people. And God's speaking about a, a covenant right there. Those, that's the terms there. And you see, when God establishes his covenant, he also creates a community of men and women who are united to each other simply because of their mutual union with Christ through faith. And, and, and so then as we think about this idea of a covenant community, there, there's two ways to really think about it. The one is, 
uh, we have this extended family, just like you'd think in a, in a normal family, an extended family, which includes Christians everywhere and, and of all var various different tra traditions. And then we also have the particular local church, the, the body here, and this functions more like an immediate family. Uh, and that's why this, this Hebrew 10 passage that we read uh, encourages at the beginning, that we read at the beginning, encourages us to meet together, to bear with one another, to encourage one another, to forgive each other. It's like a, a family living under one roof and in one location, uh, sharing day-to-day -day life together. And that's what we desire as a, a covenant family. And so when we say that we seek to be um, a covenant community, we're saying that we desire to be a community that is committed to, to mutual growth. You, you want to see me grow in my faith, and I want to see you grow in your faith. And you, as you look across this, this room, and as, even as we gather on the table later, as you look other people in the eyes, this, this is your covenant family, and you desire to see them grow in their love of Christ. And so now, the scriptures tell us there are, there are things that we should do for each other as fellow partakers of God's covenant of grace. And the, the first and foundational one we see in John, John 13, 35. It's a famous statement by Christ. Jesus is speaking, and he says... By this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. That's the defining characteristic. It's, it's not all people will know you are my disciples if you wear Christian t-shirts or if you listen to Christian music. It's if you have love for one another. And so we desire to be a church that, that is known because it's true that we actively love one another, just like we see in Galatians 6.10, which, which reads, So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those of the household of faith. Yes, there's a general love to everyone, but especially to those within this covenant community. I, I remember when, when Laura and I first came to Kansas, we, we heard this term, covenant family or covenant community. It's kind of interchangeable, uh, thrown around, and, and we had some idea of what it meant and, and you know, didn't fully grasp it. And then one day this, this woman in the church out of nowhere called and asked if she could watch our nine-month-old son so the two of us could go out on a date together. And um, it seemed kind of weird, right? Who are you? Why do you want to do this? Uh, and and it's kind of that question, you know, what's the catch? What do, we, what do I owe you for this? And, and I even actually awkwardly asked at her because sometimes we ask awkward things. Uh, but why, would you, why do you want to do that? And she just replied with this, this tone of, you're so stupid. Um, that's a covenant community. Like, I'm the dumb one here. Um, that's covenant community. And it was just this beautiful picture of, you have, you have no ulterior motive. You just want to bless us. And it was, I'll be honest, that was a hard thing to get over. Because, okay, so now I owe you. What I, I still owe you. And they had to get over that. You don't owe anything. Now, you know, as you, as you think about it, you know, how, how do we make this a reality? Let me, let me encourage you in one way. And I, I tell a story like that, and it, and it gets your mind thinking. And I, I want to encourage you to ask primarily this question of, how am I loving others in the community this way? And I, I say that because I, I think our natural way of hearing a story like that is to start thinking um, or, or wondering on some level, you know, when will, when will someone invite me to a meal? Or when will someone take me out for coffee? Or, When's someone going to call me up and ask to watch our kids? That's never happened, right? Um, and, and I say this because you are this community, okay? You are actually what makes this happen that way. 
as God is at work in your life. And, and so look for ways that you can actively love and, and serve your, your covenant community. Invite someone to a meal. Take them out to coffee. Maybe even do that crazy thing where you call someone up and just ask them to watch their children for a night. And they'll probably think you're weird for it. Um, the other side of this too, though, is if, if you need help, a lot of times people don't know that. Ask for it. You know, sometimes our, our kids will be trying to get into something and they'll be making all these weird noises, just this frustration, and, and you kind of sit back and watch for a while, and eventually, like, um, do you need help? And it's, well, why don't you ask for help? I don't know. It, it's so much easier for people to help you when they know that you have that need, so don't be afraid to ask. Um, so again, be a part of what makes this, this family great. And, and I'll tell you, I, I, I think you've done an amazing job. I, I know you've done an amazing job. I get to hear feedback from people uh, more often than most of you, and it's a shame because what I hear often is, is just how welcoming you are to, to new people, uh, how strong the fellowship is. In fact, the best, the best comment I ever heard was, was someone who was just visiting. They were here one week, um, but they said, you can tell you all really like each other. And I thought, yeah, that is pretty rare. Um, but what a glorious comment that you really like each other, right? Uh, and, and I pray that never changes. I, I hope that you continue to, to see someone new in attendance and you just go out of your way to welcome them. And, and if you're ever you know, doing anything in this, this area, this community, if you're going somewhere, if you're doing anything at all, uh, you know, open it up to others. By, by all means, you know, send out a text, an email, call someone, post it on Facebook, whatever. Uh, we have a page. You can post it on there. Also, you know, if you, if you want to organize a, a party or a, a fellowship event, we love that. Um, we love and desire to see grassroots fellowship. In fact, um, we saw it yesterday, or I saw it yesterday, you know, uh, uh, Danielle Fisher saw something about a pumpkin patch and, uh, on Facebook, and suddenly she's planning this pumpkin patch. So we're all going to go to the pumpkin patch if you want to go. Uh, <clears throat> it's fun. You can drag your kids down a, a slide or something like that. Uh, also, uh, adults, consider inviting college students over for lunch or dinner. Uh, you'll love their company. You really will. And, and, and they're just not going to invite you over to their dorm room. They won't do that. Um, and you don't want them to do that, because you don't want to eat soup that was cooked in a Mr. Coffee pot anyway, right? <clears throat> so consider that, you know. If you don't know who to ask, talk to, to John Dunning or the, the Castings or the Hardys. You know, they'll, they'll give you names of students they have over, or you can just look them up in our directory and call them. Or ask me, I'll tell you, and I'm totally serious. Even if you do this just once this year, that would be um, amazing. Okay, so let me just mention one more thing here. Um, we all need encouragement. And so look for ways that you might encourage others. That means, you know, keeping your head up, knowing what's, what's going on, asking people. You know, we, we live in this, this era of amazing technology, and sometimes we, we forget just how, how easy it is to do things, even, even with our busy lives, right? Um, in the 1800s, you want to know how to pray for one of your brothers and sisters in Christ? Uh, you go outside, you saddle up your horse, and you have to do that thing where it sucks the air and, and make it tighter. Uh, and then you, you ride that horse for about a half an hour until you get to their house, uh, and you get bugs in your mouth because horses didn't have windshields. Uh, and then you get there and you ask them, how can I pray for you? <clears throat> and then you feed your horse because horses don't take gas. And you ride a half an hour back home. So, so you can see that's a big process. Today, do you know how you do that? Um, you pull this Star Trek-like device out of your pocket. And, and you call them or even just text them. 
Uh, it takes you 10 seconds. How, how might I pray for you today? That, that's the easiest way possible. If you want to drive over there, even better, but you can at least do it that way. You know? so, so call and, and text someone. Ask them, how can I pray for you? And don't be weirded out when someone does that to you. Okay? Um, they do that. So we keep our, our church directory fairly updated. If, it's not, if your info is not in there, let us know. We'll add it. We email it out. If you're not on email, you haven't gotten it, let us know. We'll send it to you. Uh, it is constantly updated. You can make it a little thing on your phone so you can use it straight from there. Uh, or send a card of encouragement. If someone having a tough time, or you just want to thank them because you see the way they're serving in some regard, then by all means do that. Be active in appreciating and encouraging your covenant family that God has given you. Uh, we want the world to know that, that we belong to Christ by how well we love each other. Uh, our third core value, <clears throat> we labeled it as participating in worship and Sabbath. Again, if I had put these in the bulletins, that'd be wonderful, right? But I didn't. Uh, Sunday worship. What we are doing today is the center of what we do. We are unapologetic about that. Uh, we have other events during the week. We gather together uh, with the people of God on this day to worship the person of God, and, and that's our main thing. And I, I tell you that for two reasons. One, we do have other ministries, other things going on, uh, and it is easy to feel the weight that you're supposed to be at everything. I have said this before because I want to make sure you understand this. Uh, you know, while we, we love to see you at other events, we are encouraged. We think it's a great way for you to be involved and get to know people. Uh, we don't expect you to be at everything. Uh, we provide a prayer meeting. There are men's and women's groups, small groups. There's children's Sunday school, uh, which we do for discipleship and, and fellowship. But if, if these things do not fit your schedule, that's okay. Don't carry a weight we're not asking you to carry. Uh, the second reason I, I tell you this is that corporate worship is very important. We, we want you to make this a priority in your life. We, we understand you travel, you get sick, things like that come up, and those are good reasons to miss. But don't pencil worship in. Write it in permanent marker and plan to actually be here with the people of God on Sunday worshiping God. And, and you might notice in the phrasing of that that it, that it says participating in corporate worship or in worship. We have intentionally designed this service so that you do participate in it. You know, you don't just watch the musicians perform. We, we sing together as a congregation. We, we read responsively together. We confess our sins out loud together. We, we silently do the same, right? Confessing our sins at the same time. We, we get out of our seats and we physically come up to the Lord's table. You don't just sit there. And, and then the other part uh, of this is not just participating in worship, but, but Sabbath. And we, we put this in there because uh, it, it means rest. The Lord's Day should be a wonderful time of rest for you, and not in a legalistic way, but, but we desire for that Sunday be restful for your family, to rest in Christ as we come to worship, and to slow down on this day um, that Jesus himself has said was made for us, for our rest, for our nourishment. So if you don't already... Make it a habit to intentionally find ways to rest on Sunday. If you need ideas of what that looks like, by all means, let me know. I'd love to have that conversation. Uh, fourth core value, eagerly making disciples of Christ. <clears throat> In Romans 10.1, Paul is uh, speaking. He says, Brothers, my heart's desire and prayer to God for them is that they may be saved. That's our desire as well, to, to see the lost get saved and, and to see those young in the faith grow in their maturity. 
And for both of those goals, we're going to be depending on the means of grace uh, instead of any sales tactics or emotional manipulation. Um, and, and really, we just we wish to be a small link in the chain that Jesus began over 2,000 years, nearly 2,000 years ago, uh, when he gave the Great Commission to the apostles. You remember that? Um, he's speaking, and he, and, and he says, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. These are not just words for pastors or people in full-time ministry, but words for all of us as we go and we make disciples. Um, and I, I've said we're, we're primarily about worshiping God and, and you see the overflow of that worship of God in, in all of life is that we speak the gospel that it comes out of our mouth it just overflows so that so, so that we might see God set others free from their sin and bring them into a, a place of faith where their doubts are rejected and, and their hearts believe the gospel and, and, and so they too become worshipers of God and that's what we desire uh, some years ago when we when we researched Manhattan it was an interesting thing you before you ever go somewhere, you get all these demographics, and, and then you get there and see how true certain things are and some things just aren't. Um, <clears throat> but we learned that this is a transient town, and we thought, okay, we know what that means, right? People come and go. Uh, we found that to be very much the case. We have Fort Riley, we have Kansas State University, which means uh, a large number will only be here for just a few years of their life. And, and we decided early on that our vision would be to treat uh, transient people and families as if they were permanently here that we would disciple to the best of our ability, no matter how long or short someone is with us, and thus invest in the big kingdom of God, not just the local kingdom of God. Um, and we, we found in reality that is a, a tough thing to do because it is so sad when we lose people. Um, but that's, that's part of this commitment. And as much as we, you know, we hate it when people PCS or, or graduate, um, we're so grateful for the time we've had together. And we, we look forward to to this joyful reuniting in eternity. You know, that's, it's always encouraging when we realize this is forever, family. Uh, so let me encourage you. It, it, you know, you that know that you're going to be here for a short period of time, college students, those in the Army, uh, unpack your boxes, right? Don't live out of them. Take your flowers out of pots and plant them in the garden out front. You know, join the church through membership. And I don't just mean that for here. I mean that every place you go, wherever God leads you in your life, uh, on this earth, find a church and join that community. You know, do the same thing. Put down roots. And, I, and I'll say, you know, we've, we've seen that done wonderfully by so many. We were, we were shocked in how quickly, particularly in the Army, you just jump in and get involved in stuff. Like, you know, like reinforcements coming in to minister this community with the church. And if you're at K-State or Fort Riley, I want you to sincerely know we are so thankful to have you as part of this covenant community. Um, I want to add something about how we make disciples and how that ties to the means of grace. Do you, do you remember the story in, in Mark 4? We, we tell this story often. It has been such a uh, foundational, visionary thing for us as a church. Uh, Jesus tells that there's a man, he, he scatters seeds. And, and that's the gospel, that's the word of God. And, and then the man goes to sleep at night. So simple. And then he gets up in the morning, day after day, until the harvest is ready. And what we, we learn in that simple little story is that the Word of God will accomplish the work of God. 
And that, that means you and I are, are called to be seed scatterers, right? Scattering. Wherever we go, just the word of God, the gospel. Um, scattering seed to, to men and women in our town and across the campus and on post and in office buildings and in living rooms. And we, we scatter seeds, but you don't stress because the weight of transforming people is not on us because we're called to plant seeds. It's, it's God who actually causes the growth. Man, that should be a weight lifted. And, and that's, that's true in regards to, to seeing growth in ourselves and others and our children. Uh, seed scatterers, planters. Uh, we do have children's Sunday school. We do that um, for the purpose of discipleship. We think it is a beneficial thing to do, but we only do it for eight weeks in the spring and eight weeks in the fall. It's going to be starting on September 18th this fall, and it'll be right after the service. But we do Sunday school the way we do it so that the church can come along and, and assist parents in the discipleship of, of children. And yet, we never want Sunday school to become a replacement for parents discipling their children as God has specifically called them to. Uh, we're still working on figuring out how to, to be more beneficial to parents to teach you what it means to disciple your children in day-to-day life, but, but that's, that's a priority. Um, number five. Fifth core value, engaged in serving the community. There is a, a phrase being often in a lot of churches everywhere. The phrase is this, in the city, for the city. You ever heard this? Uh, Travis would like it to be reworded to in the small Kansas town, for the small Kansas town. Uh, anyway, it, it comes from Jeremiah 29.7, which says, But seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile, and pray to the Lord on its behalf, and for and in, and for in, it, for in its welfare, you will find your welfare. It means that we want to be a blessing to the city that we're in, where God has placed us. You know, we love Manhattan. We love Kansas State University and Fort Riley and Riley County, and we, we wish to see them all flourish. And we believe that the presence of gospel-motivated men and, and women in the community is how that flourishing will happen. And some ways of doing this really is, is just as simple, and this sounds bizarre, but just as simple as, you know, supporting local businesses when you can. I know that's hard when you have Amazon Prime. Um, it's a life struggle. Uh, but just supporting local businesses where you actually get to know the people doing business in your community. Uh, part of this is, is being present in the, the community that God has you on, on campus in various organizations in the, uh, the public schools or the Flint Hills or uh, the homeschool community, wherever it might be. And, and really the greatest testament to the work that God is doing through this covenant community is when people encounter you and, and they see someone who genuinely loves God and genuinely loves their neighbors. Not, not because we're perfect, not, not because we, uh, but, but rather because we do show hospitality and generosity and, and interest in others. Actually being interested in people. Uh, simple kindness, you know, maybe even or especially when we, when we seek forgiveness because we've sinned against others. I don't know if you know just how uh, amazingly shocking that can be to people when our, you know, when we've sinned against someone in our selfishness, our pride, our anger, when that's when we see the gospel really uh, hugely when you go back and you ask someone for forgiveness in, the, in that regard. And one thing we've been, we've been careful about as a church then is with, with that goal of being involved in the community is that we not create so many programs that you're here all day. We don't, we don't want you just doing church things all the time. And, I, uh, you know, I expect we're going to find varied degrees of success and failures at that, and we're going to need to be corrected. But, but really the goal is we don't want you living in a church bubble. 
We, we want you to have a church community, but to go out as well to be, to be salt and light in the community. So um, we want you to have time available to serve in the community in that regard. Uh, oh, you know, over our, our, our short history, we've had members serve in so many variety of ways already. We've had some do uh, meals through wheels, meals on wheels, serve through that, and the community meals. It's this wonderful meal in town. They, they do breakfast and dinner, and if you're interested in it, let me know. I can hook you up with it. Uh, but they serve homeless and those that have um, other, other needs and other hardships that they're facing. It's just a meal. Um, long term, we, we hope to host one of these here in this building downstairs. Um, we've also had groups that have walked in support of Life Choice Ministries and uh, groups that volunteer every fall to, to go and collect food for the local food pantry called the Bread, Flint Hills Bread Basket. Uh, we've had women gather and make meals for the women's shelter, and, and we love this. This is the thing. We don't have a bunch of stuff that has our name on it, but uh, love when we're serving the community and we're with the community and alongside of them at the same time so that it's not in the name of Manhattan Prez, but you go and you serve, and it's in the name of Christ. So, uh, yes, we need your service in church. We need setting up and cleanup. We need sound and music and nursery and all sorts of other things for this worship service and things to go on. But we do not want to dominate your time um, because we want you to have time to be able to care for your family, your, your immediate family, and also to serve others outside of these walls. So last core value, uh, number six, active in church planting and mission sending. Uh, this is in our core values because from day one, um, we believed that uh, God loves the church and has ordained her to be a great, uh, the great agent of redemption in the world. And we see church planting as an important strategy for growing and multiplying disciples of Christ and for just increasing the overall impact of the gospel across Kansas and to the ends of the earth. Um, which is a little weird to have that in there because we're still a church plant ourselves. You know, we're not financially sustained locally at this point uh, ourselves. In fact, uh, you know, we still have to go out and do support raising. However, we want to make a clear commitment that we're going to help other churches be established in the same way that other churches have helped us be established. Uh, and so that's the same thing that it's true for missionaries. And we desire those to, to support those who are going to make disciples. And that might mean those going to faraway countries, Sudan and Kenya, wherever it might be. Uh, but it also might mean those going to the campus of K-State. It's kind of a unique thing here. Uh, we've got John Dunning with RUF and Sam Casting and David Hardy with, uh, with Crew, and I promise you all of them would love to have your support. And when I say support, I mean prayer or financial. By all means, uh, speak to them. None of them will reject you in that. Uh, to see if there's any way you can do that, just to get on their list of, of prayer so you can be praying for them. Or, or maybe you'll find out that you could make snacks for one of their meetings or groups kind of things, things of that nature. Uh, so definitely talk with them about that. So uh, our hope then with, uh, and our prayer with this core value is to just foster this, this biblical, uh, this love for the kingdom of God that goes beyond just this local congregation. We have this, we don't want to be inward focused. We want to be able to look out and, and really care about the greater kingdom of God in the world. And so uh, there's two opportunities of this coming up in Kansas. The first, the project uh, in Andover near Wichita, led by Rick Franks. Many of you know Andrew Franks, who is skipping today. We'll find him. Um, just kidding, I don't know if he's skipping. He might be sick. Uh, but anyway, his dad is, is leading that. Uh, so uh, we can be in prayer for that. The other one is, uh, that one's called Kirk of the Hills, and it hopes to be a church plant soon. Uh, the second project is, uh, is just in the prayer stage at this point. 
There's a guy, a pastor named Jonathan Whitley, who is hoping to plant a PCA church in North Kansas City. And uh, so it's early on, but be in prayer for that. He's going to be here actually on December 4th uh, and preach for us, and, and we'll be able to pray for him at that point. But as a congregation, we need to be in prayer, thinking, you know, what does it look like for us to support these efforts? Okay. So I know, I'm bringing this to a close. I, I could talk about this for hours. I don't know if you could listen to this for hours, though. So um, we desire to be a simple church that focuses well on what's important without being distracted by what is not as important. And that's why we, we've identified these six core values that, that shape who we are, or really shape who we desire to be uh, as a church. And, and, and here's the thing, putting them on paper does not make them a reality. I've told many of you this before. You know, standing here telling you about them, that doesn't make it a reality. You hearing them doesn't make them come true. You know, covenant community and serving others and gathering for worship uh, only becomes a reality as we actually begin working towards this. Um, see, we're not, we're not a service company. We're church. We're not an entertainment company either. You know, you're, you're not a consumer in that regard. This is a family, and under, this, uh, you know, under the covenant of grace, we are redeemed by the blood of Christ, and unless everyone gets on board, on board and rose, we're just not going to get there. And so we're asking you now, you know, go home today. You know, think about these things. Think about your place in this, how you can make this covenant community uh, a wonderful blessing to each other in the community. You know, God's... God's called us uh, as a covenant community to, to minister here. And, and so we're going to be looking to God every, every step of the way. Um, and again, I, this is not even my notes, but I'll, I'll say this. I, I talk to other pastors across the country, and I get to hear the things that they struggle with in their congregations and, and various things. And I'll say, um, we, we don't have much of that. It has been an absolute, I'm not, I'm not cursing that, is, am I? Um, jinxing that, just kidding. Uh, but it has been an absolute blessing uh, because the way you do love each other, the way you reach out to each other, the way when new people come in, uh, just bringing them into your home and your life has just been an amazing encouragement to me, and I, I hope we, we never change from that. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, if we're going to be a church that is going to make much of you, we're going to need much of you. We're going to need your spirit to change and sustain us. So we ask that you provide what we need. Provide your spirit. Give us a desire. Give us a love for each other that we cannot imitate. Give us genuine love. And God, we, we thank you because You've found us as strangers, and you've invited us into your home and into your family, and you have provided for us materially and spiritually in ways that we simply cannot now nor ever repay. Thank you, God, and may you be glorified in all that we do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.